I'd like to expand and explore and deepen and delve into the precarious nature of progression in day-to-day life, which hinges primarily upon my relationship to the story in my head. The more deeply connected I become to the story, the more precarious my life becomes as it will most probably be shattered sooner or later. And the more identified I become with the story and the less differentiated I am from it, the more prone I will be to collapse as my story collapses. And that could be a source of trauma, a source of struggle, a source of emotional um, expensive taxation on myself. So really as I move forward in life, I want to, to the degree that I can, create a flexibility and an adaptability, a resilience to notice that if the story is in fact um, undone by the nature of reality, I have the wherewithal to step up and, and um, see a new perspective and learn from it. What we haven't gone into is the kind of techniques and methods of how to do that because the story is very, very convincing and especially when it's related to a deep core of one of my beliefs or one of my deep desires, it's going to be very, very hard to just say, oh, well, you know, I'll just give up on the story. I don't want to give up on the story because the relationship between me and the story is, is not differentiated and I want to be able to take that differentiation and, and differentiate essentially, to unblend. I want to, I want to unblend from my story. Now, unblending is essentially the core, which is beautiful. It's the core spiritual process. Because the unblending of me from my story allows me to inhabit a part of self which is not determined by the give and take, the quantifiable um, components of the material world. The self, when it has the ability to separate itself from the story, it's, it's aware, it's um, anchored, it's collected, it doesn't get distracted by the story which is essentially an assembly of components which are functions of the material world. So I'm going to, I know there was a lot of words strung together in what may have seemed as a slightly convoluted fashion. I'm going to try and make it a little bit more real. A little bit more real. Starting with a very basic a teenage story. Teenage story. Teenage story could be something like this. My hairstyle is my passport into acceptability. Clearly this is a distant memory for me. <laughs> and the way that my hair turns out after a given haircut, well, that's the, the story is because in the world of developing adulthood, Physical appearance play a big role. So my relationship to my haircut will be, if it looks good to me, a passport to social acceptability. If it looks disastrous, a reason for rejection from my social peer group. Even though I'm oversimplifying things, just as an example. That story, let's see where it's built from. It's built from a very material vantage point. The material vantage point is the visibility of the relationship to the amount of follicle content that rests above my forehead. 
my hair. That's going to be a very tangible and material thing. Agreed. Underneath that, there are deep emotional desires and needs. But since the emotional desires and needs manifest in a physical expression, like if I've got a cool hairstyle, then I'm good. If I've got a terrible hairstyle, then I'm bad. Socially. So the orientation of the experience of life is in the intersection between the emotional and the physical. That my emotional world, I look to be manifested through physical tools. So that's why I'll be concerned about the way I look. I'll be concerned about what people say about me. I'll be concerned about what I interpret as people's reactions to me. It's all going to be me weighing myself against my experience of the sensory input, the physical input from the world around me. That's going to be the the battle of me and my story. So if the story in my head is, I have an amazing haircut, and therefore I'm super cool, and I take that story with me into my peer group, and they start to tease me and say my haircut is stupid and bad, so then my story crashes. What crashed my story? What crashed my story was, well, the people who were meant to be the ones who would give me approbation and affirmation and acceptance for what I interpreted initially as cool are now rejecting me. So that would be a destroyed story. So what would self do in that case? What would be the, the, the inner, what would the inner, the inner world relate to? And this is how the differentiation occurs. The differentiation occurs one second. That story hinges the story hinges your identity on external factors, people's acceptance, the way you look, and the interaction between the two. When you hinge your identity on external factors, you're living within the world of time and space, the material. You're measuring the variables of people's reactions in time and space. Were you to take one step deeper inside of self and recognize that as a core being, I am made up of a physical body, but I have a deep, ineffable, unfathomable, spiritual grandeur, which is incorruptible, I have a soul, when I recognize that as the core part of my identity, so then the physical variables don't have as much sway in my life. Because nothing in the physical world can really attach, attack, or distort, or dismiss, or disdain something which is pure and un- untouchable. So the step away from the story, you need to step away from it to somewhere. Where are you going to? You're going to this solidity of self. Your core spiritual energy. And in that place, there's a sense of awareness that is unbiased by, for example, the opinions of others. By physical form of what I look like and how much hair I have on my head by the stuff that we can touch, feel, see and taste 
It's, those aren't the factors which are determining the core essence of my identity. The story is always based on those factors because the story is something which changes based on the physical world's interaction with it and you with them and they with you. I don't even, I, I know I'm speaking in, in I'm, I'm struggling to express this idea in a clear and concise fashion and I appreciate your ongoing feedback to that notion. Um, your confused eyes and glazed expressions give me, give me a very good gauge of how badly I'm explaining this. So I'm, I'm going I'm I'm to try again. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to try again. Jared, do you want to try? Do you want me to try? Yeah, okay, okay. The difficulty of letting go of a story in my head is because I over-identify with the story and I don't think the story is a story, I think the story is me. Which is another way of saying, I think the story is reality. Meaning, meaning, what happens? I get a failed result from a very important exam that I wrote. Well, how do I feel? Very often people will feel, a person will feel like I am a failure, I am stupid, I am incapable. In other words, the external physical event will change the nature of the perception of who I am. I go into the test, I think I'm competent, I'm clever, I'm good. I get the failed result, I think I'm incompetent, stupid and bad. So my sense of self is a variable. It changes with where the story goes as I move forward. In the spiritual perspective of self, my sense of self is a constant. Why am I good? I'm not good because I did something. I'm not good because I have something. I'm good because I'm good. My core is good. And when I connect to that as the essential definition of self, so then if I fail an exam, it means that my intellect needs to be sharpened. But it doesn't make me better or worse. It doesn't make me failure or success. It just makes me in this particular area, not that I'm a success or failure, but I failed. So I should fix the tool, make sure it works better. But it doesn't have an impact on my sense of self or identity. It just means that the tool I used was broken or not functioning properly. I should really go and fix it. It doesn't touch me. It doesn't touch me. It doesn't charge me. You always know that your story is getting in the way when someone says something to you that you get triggered by and someone standing next to you wouldn't be triggered by. When it's a trigger, it means that your identity has become um, embedded, enmeshed in the sense of self. It's called blended. And the first step towards spirituality is unblending, which is a step towards the soul. So spirituality is not much, not only a pursuit of connection to higher power, it's also a pursuit of connection to a real self. And the lack of spirituality is not only becoming focused on a world where things are random and material and there is no guiding force, but it's also a sense of self which is rooted in the material and has no transcendent component to it. Yes, Jared. How, do you, how does one live in a world that is completely structured in a way that lends to the material and the physical and still hold on to that, like still have the strength to hold on to that. Beautiful, beautiful. So this goes back to a point that we raised previously, that the actual progression, the nature of birth from the spiritual viewpoint is a 
clouding of insight as the brain becomes active because the brain is a system which is there to process the external world whereas insight and spiritual consciousness is not accessed necessarily through cognitive behavior so the obvious way of gaining more access to the spiritual side of self is by allowing the brain to quieten down and when it stops making the noise of processing sensory experiences and sensory experiences can come to somewhat of a halt so then the window is opened up to perceive the inner world and when you perceive the inner world then you gain not only a knowledge of your inner self but an experience of your inner self within our spiritual apparatus we we take a we take it not to exclude dismiss that but also to add on to that that the brain can also become a facilitator can become a facilitator of um, spiritual insight because the brain only acts as a barrier to spiritual insight when the brain is processing the material world what happens if we could harness the brain to process the spiritual world well then instead of the brain being a barrier the brain will become a will become a window as well and this is essentially the world of learning Torah the world of learning Torah is to allow the brain to activate itself instead of in the physical dimension in the spiritual dimension and then when it accesses its, when it when it processes the spiritual dimension so then instead of it being a block to insight it becomes a pathway to insight the other the other way that you could access through cognitive means the insight is instead of using the brain you could use a different component which is the pathway of prayer and the pathway of prayer is instead of uh, suspending the mind try to access an experience of proximity which is based not on an intellectual process of reasoning but on an emotional um, probably the most basic starting point would be an emotional experience of gratitude gratitude at its core is the unfolding realization that my life has an origin beyond myself all gratitude brings to the table more depth and as we become more grateful we become more aware of the depth of what lies beneath the surface to make that a little bit more tangible a little bit more tangible if I don't say thank you it means that I look upon myself as a self-sufficient entity even though that's an illusion and anything that comes into my orbit I just take for granted so that means I have a shallow perspective of the world because I can't see that there's actually a source to what I'm getting so right now in this room if I'm not appreciative it means that oh it's a room that's where it stops if I become appreciative I think whoa I'm so appreciative of the people that actually put in the effort to build these walls to install the electricity I'm so appreciative of the electricity company that's 
working 24 hours a day to maintain that there's electricity. Can't take it for granted. I have South African friends. Um, and I'm so conscious of the fact that people funded and gave the money so that we could sit in this environment. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. So it exposes level after level. Ultimately, ultimately, the ultimate level that exposes is that there's a higher cause. Because if you ask why enough times, you'll get to, because there's a cause that brings everything into being. So the, the direction of gratitude is the direction of spiritual connection to ultimately acknowledge there's a higher power that is the source of all goodness. And therefore gratitude will bring me to prayer. And that will be another way of using the material to transcend it. Do you know what I just, you know, just realized? Like I'm really enjoying what I'm saying. I think I may be the only one. Like I'm, I'm saying like this stuff, but I think I'm saying it in such a, in such a, in such a, I think the thing, I think the problem is I'm saying it, I'm saying it in generalized and abstract terms, and I think it must be really very difficult to, to actually what I'm talking about. In my head, I get it, but the problem is my head. So I just feel like, um, I'm dismally failing at my job again, again, which is, which is interesting, which is time to pivot again. Hey? Eh? Story. Story. Yeah, so the story. So I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to pivot. Okay, three guys walking to a bar. <laughs> boing, boing, boing. Um, thanks, thanks. Um, what's up, boys? What's up? Choose chill. Let's just chill. This is like deep stuff. mentioned earlier about how some your sense of self shouldn't change based on your you know what happens in your life and that kind of thing um but i think a lot of people's problem is that they there's we only talk about ourselves yakov um right so my problem is that my sense of self doesn't change but myself my sense of self is always very low so for instance if i succeed at something then i'll say well, you know, anybody could have done this, you know, it's very easy. And if I fail at something like, oh, well, you see, this is proof that, you know, I suck at everything, you know. Right, right. So this will be, this will, I, I, we, can, we can bring you to an awareness that that's, that you're, you're, that's not your sense of self. What you've just told me, unfortunately, or fortunately, is that's the story. You've just told me the story. The story in your head has told you 
that you're a failure. So when you succeed, it's a, it's a, it's a mistake. And when you fail, it's a proof. But that's a story in your head. Because if you connected to the depth of who you were, you'd realize that failure and success are irrelevant labels to describe the magnitude of greatness that you carry with you as a human being and as a yid. You have within you what's called which means you have inside of you a piece of eternity. A part of you which has got unbridled love and care. A part of you which is flowing through with kindness, which I actually don't find it very hard to spot. A part of you which has tenacity, resilience, adaptability. A part of you which has the capacity to admit and to submit, etc., etc. And that's all part of you. Now, if you realize that, that was part of you, if you believed in yourself and recognized that believing in yourself is a subsidiary of believing in God, the way you believe in God is you recognize that there's a hidden force that runs the natural world. The way you believe in yourself is you recognize there's a hidden force that runs you. And what your soul is to your body, God is to the world. And then you realize, well, if I say to myself, I'm a rubbish failure, so then I'm an atheist in self. So really what you have to recognize, what you have to recognize is that underneath the story, there's a completely pristine and wonderful, untouchable, kind, collected, wise being. And the story in your head is blocking you from gaining access to that. And only by unblending and saying, oh, that's just a story. The, sto- the story in my head is telling me that I'm a failure. Well, that's interesting. When you say, oh, that's interesting, then you've already unblended. As opposed to when you say, oh, I'm a failure, then you're inside. You have to go outside, not inside. Another method of doing this is speaking in the language of what's called parts. Whereby, instead of speaking about the story in your head, you speak about the different characters in self. So, for example, you have, we'll call him, a extremely busy inner critic. He's sitting on your shoulder, just looking for you to do something wrong. And the minute you do something wrong, he says, Oh, there you go, Larry, you just messed up again. Do you know what? When Evan looked at you, it's because he thinks he's stupid. <laughs> right? And it keeps on telling you all this negative information about yourself. Literally, if that person would be your roommate, even you, who's extremely patient, would say, please can I move rooms? <laughs> and you've installed him in your head. You don't want, you don't, that's not the kind of person you want to hang around with. So what happens is you can speak to him, and this becomes the inner dialogue. You go over to that inner critic, and you say to him, Hi there. He goes, Oh, hello, idiot. <laughs> I don't even want to know what you have to say, because you're just always so stupid. And then you look at him and you say, Wow. See, because now you've gone into self. You say, Wow, that's like really, those are really harsh words. What's it all about? So what's going to happen is, we're going to now, if you're okay with this, we're going to enact this. Would you like to enact this? Sure, why not? Great. So instead of me speaking to Yaakov, I'm going to speak to Yaakov's inner critic. So you're going to be representing your inner critic, and I'm going to be representing yourself. Okay. Hi there. Hi. Um, can I ask you a question? Okay. What's your job? Like, what's your job in relation to Yaakov? What are you trying to do to him? To make sure that he knows that he doesn't think of himself too highly, you know, to make, it, make sure that he's humble. Wow. 
Wow, what an amazing, in other words, you're there, you're there to help him. Mm-hmm. So ironically, you believe in Yaakov, don't you? Yeah. Wow, so you think Yaakov's a good guy, and he's got huge potential, and you want to make sure that he realizes it. But also that he stays humble. Right, because he has the potential to be humble. You believe in his power to be something great, humility is a great trait, and therefore you want your system in reaching that great trait, don't you? Mm-hmm. Wow. Thank you. I'm wondering, I'm wondering if the method you're using is being effective. Mm. I'm just wondering, because you know, we want to make this as strategically possible, uh, as, as functional as possible. So I'm, like, I'm thinking if like, do you think it helps him become more humble? Well, you see, Yaakov doesn't really think much of himself. That's pretty humble, isn't it? No, it's not really, because when, when Yaakov doesn't think much of himself, it's actually a form of arrogance. See, when you don't think a lot about yourself, it means that you become very self-invested. And when you're in a situation, you don't think about the other, you think about what the other's doing for me, because you need that scaffolding always. So actually, as opposed to humility, which just opens us up to see other people, Lack of self-worth closes us down and we're always looking for scraps of people to give us some kind of affirmation. So I think when you go down too harsh on Yaakov, you're actually stopping from being humble and you promote a sense of kind of self-obsession and neediness that's just destructive. Do you get that? I see. So I would like to know if maybe we can empower you to, to not to not do your job because I think it's great that you're there, but maybe you could do your job a little bit differently. So since you're like interested in Yaakov building up really a healthy sense of self, that's your... So maybe, how about this? How, let's t- try for a week. Instead of telling him how bad he is, start to tell him where his talents lie. Not to make him stuck up and arrogant, but just to make him aware of his responsibility. So when you see him doing something good, say to him, Oh, there you go, that's a talent that you have. You should use it. <gasps> Look, there's another gift that you have. You should use it. And that way, you really make him humble because he won't need to get appro- approbation from others. He'll just be... What do you think about that? Okay, it's worth a try. There you go. Hey, how cool. How cool. Every part inside of our system is only there to help us. But very often, the methods are just messed up. So they don't end up helping us, they end up messing us up. So here you've got a really helpful part that wants you to be humble and really achieve your potential. Instead of you helping you, he's holding you back. So you have to, you have to, you have to, um, you have to... reframe his job. And give him a, like, same, same purpose, just different job. Amen. Recognize what part of yourself is truly worth like, giving over to other people is like a responsibility. So, so okay, so yeah, I'm going to just keep on going with you. So, when you ask that question, the part of you that's asking that question is this self doubting, confused part. Like, because, okay, because no one in this room has any doubts about what you have to give over. So, it's really weird that you do. So that's why I say there's a self-doubting part. So how do you know what to give over? What do you mean, how do you know what to give over? Yeah, as in, people have different skills. Right. So which ones to use? Yes. The ones that you have. 
to understand that it's a part asking this question. It's not you asking this question. Yourself wouldn't have this question. Yourself knows the answer. There's a part that doesn't trust you. So it's a distrustful part. And it's scared. Good part. Wants to help you out. He doesn't want you to misuse yourself. So he doesn't give you the faith of the knowledge that you really know what to do with yourself. It's parts. It's all parts. It's amazing. Someone else wants to pretend to ask a question but just expose the part? Evan? Uh, I think that I mentioned earlier on that the way uh, I, I could misquote it, so please correct me. That, that the way of of, of, a, of reaching spirituality is through gratitude. Is that is that? That's one thing I said, yeah. That was that the way that one gets to realize their true self and not be kind of this thing of like parts. They're just sort of like getting closer and closer to the self that has all the things they need, or whatever. Or this the true self. No, it's more of getting a, an awareness of a higher power in the physical world of the existence of Hashem and seeing that there's that there's something else going on in the created world other than just a random set of events. So what what brings one closer to the true self? Um, I mean. Great question. The internal dialogue itself is a very important tool. But other than that, it's if you actually have a curiosity to spot the greatness as it manifests in the course of your day. Like, how many great things have you done today, Ev? This is actually a pretty good coffee, better than usual. I don't know what the word was today, but it tastes... <laughs> so you made yourself a coffee? Better than usual coffee. Better than usual coffee. And let me ask you a question. Why, why are you drinking that coffee? Uh, so I can focus and share. Why would you want to focus and share? So in other words, you have a part of you that senses that you have a higher mission and purpose. And the way that you manifest your consciousness of purpose is by making a better than usual coffee. So that's, that, that's completely supernatural. So there you go. So, there, so where's that coming from? Well, it's not coming from your... The coffee is a, is a servant to the soul. So that's evidence of your greatness. Josh Black. Um, <clears throat> so we all have the story in our head that, you know, we think the day is going to go as planned. Um, so one thing Never say we all. I have a story in my head. We only have I. Okay. So one thing that I've been doing is I've been mm. trying to like adjust uh, like my morning and life routine to like give myself more energy throughout the day. Yes. Give myself focus. Yes. Um, and so I kind of tell myself I'm going to do X, Y, and Z to help myself function better. But then, of course, those plans will inevitably be shattered. And I'll be left, you know... Um, will they? I mean, is that true? Mm-hmm. Well, what are the plans that you make which inevitably will be shattered? I mean, I, it, it, I, I thought one of the points you're making is that whatever... No, we can make as many stories as I want, but eventually, you know, something's going to happen, if you know... Right, but it doesn't... There will be a traffic jam on the way. By the, same, by the same token, if you don't make any plans, you never can achieve anything. So you have to make plans, but at the end of the plan, there just has to be a question mark, and maybe this won't work out. Based on all the evidence I have, based on my projection of what I need to do, this is exactly what should happen, and this I'm going to implement it. Question mark, but it could not, it doesn't always work that way. And that gives you the shock absorbers to deal with the disappointment of it not actually panning out the way you anticipated. Being ready to pivot. Ready to pivot. <laughs> poised to pivot. Every great soccer player will tell you, you've got to be poised to pivot. Every great cardiologist will say to you, expect the unexpected. Expect the unexpected. See what you didn't anticipate seeing. 
and hear what you never knew to listen for. Um, yes? What else does anyone have to say? I see my story. I see my story. Let's hear about it. No, I'm saying in 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 circumstances. Which circumstance? Yeah, let's hear. Let's hear about it. Um, Okay, for example, like I had a coffee late afternoon yesterday, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna go to bed by 11." And I was in bed at 11, and I was still simulated up and awake. I was like, "I shouldn't have coffee, whatever." I want to get X amount of sleep, and now I'm not gonna have a function tomorrow. You get frustrated. Etc. Et you probably end up staying. I later. get to. I get to. I get. I get frustrated. I end up staying later. I end up staying later than I should have. Frustration. Right. Certain circumstances where you see the story crumbling in front of your eyes. Pivot. How could you pivot? Tell me about what pivot you could have done. Maybe I don't need as much sleep as I think I do. Okay. That's, that's it. Function. Wow. Function, you know, you know, why is it a pivot? Because I'm changing my mindset about it. Okay. But you're not pivoting. You're not, you're not doing anything. You're just saying, oh, I'm thinking differently about it. What's your pivot? Meditate. Focus on my breathing. Boom. Do 10 push-ups and get back into bed. Boom. Go for a walk. Boom. Grab a glass of water. Meaning you could say, oh, listen, stupid mistake. Shouldn't have had coffee. I'm awake now. I'm going to be awake pretty alert for the next two hours. What do I want to do with the next two hours? Oh, it's going, to, it's going to influence my alertness tomorrow. Yeah, but that's going to happen anyway. So either I can spend the next two hours agonizing and trying to go to sleep, which I'm not going to succeed, and just think to myself, oh my gosh, I'm so stupid, I'm such an idiot, I'm so stupid, I'm such a stupid idiot, stupid idiot, stupid idiot, stupid Or I can think to myself, okay, I've got two hours, what should I do with it? That's pivoting. That's a proper pivot. Did you notice how I pivoted mid-chair? Pivoted. And I think as a result, it's become a lot more meaningful. That's what I felt. Do you understand? Did you feel the difference? So then it was me lecturing, and you were going, oh, and now it was like, oh, 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 this is real stuff. This is like, this, this, is, this is actually what happens in my, in my inner world. This is the stuff that I deal with. It was a pivot. With me, Norm, you've got a pivot. I mean, what difference? I mean, like, you know, I, I mean, I don't know if anyone's going to be watching this. You know, so, but, 